Hello, everyone. Welcome to Off the Bookshelf. This is your host, Chris. And today I'm joined by a special guest, dear friend of mine, Harrison. Harrison is just an accomplished musician. He's also working in the tech industry right now, too. Uh, one of my good friends ever since college and someone that I really wanted to have on this podcast, especially uh, with this book. I feel like he holds a lot of those principles and carries them out in his daily life. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and let Harrison speak for himself. What's up, everyone? Talking about this book. Let's get right into it. Yeah. So the book that we're going to be talking about today is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Both Harrison and I have read the book and have uh, applied those principles to our everyday life. But yeah, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. This is just going to be more like a conversation free flowing type of thing. We'll still be talking about the book, but just our own experiences with it as well. So the first thing I'll just go ahead and introduce when starting out with the book is just really learning how to handle people. I feel that's a big skill to have in life, whether it be a colleague, a coworker, a relationship, you need to really have those skills to really understand them as a whole. But I'll go ahead and start off with this quote. Uh, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most, most fools do, but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. Abraham Lincoln, he utilized this quote when actually when he was in the war uh, versus the North and the South, and he was really harping on one of his generals to really win the war for them. Uh, there was a critical turning point for them to win, and um, I guess the general fell flat and their forces had to retreat. Instead of Abe criticizing him, which he really wanted to, he even wrote a letter. He had it like at the ready, but he didn't send it to in general. Instead, he decided to praise him. And from that point on, they were able to turn the war back. Uh, but I flip it to you, Harrison. Have you had any experiences for you where you kind of had to like hold yourself before you wanted to like really criticize someone and then actually like got him to do what you wanted him to do at the end of the day? Yeah, Definitely. Definitely, as you ask that, I can think of a few instances, but um, especially with this book, there's times in your life you have to ask, what's the result of saying something mm -hmm. and whether or not those words actually need to be said. Right. So with Abe Lincoln, he might have initially thought that they would have an unsuccessful outcome, but regardless, he had to put on, you know, his boots, he had to he had to really strap up and get ready for the inevitable right. and whether or not people believe they were fighting for a winnable outcome or whether or not they believed that they were going to fail was a huge turning point. And yeah, I think, I think that really hallmarks what a true leader is, right? You like want to think before you speak out your words. And in this case with him knowing that his general ultimately failed uh, him and like the nation that he was trying to provide for, he still, sought ways to really motivate and encourage him. And I think we could put that into practice every day, no matter like who we interact with. That's something I know I need to learn for myself because sometimes I'm really quick to judge other people sometimes. I don't know about you, but I've kind of learned to just kind of restrain myself and like give people more props first before I lead to like something that I want them to work on or improve on. But yeah, so uh, the next thing that the book kind of talks about is just, yeah, like I said, de really dealing with people and really figuring out what people want at the end of the day. I think that's like a big art of negotiating, right? Like usually people want to put their interests, what they want first. It's on the flip side. You got to really figure out what the other person wants first. So if you want to go ahead and speak to that point, Harrison, anything that. So, yeah. So this point was actually 
one of the most important points of the book with me and actually has carried on with me um, from when I first read it. Like right now, 2022, we live in a very attention driven economy and to get people's attention and time is incredibly valuable. There's multi-million dollar businesses that really, really profit and really, really strive to get your attention. And if you go on Instagram or TikTok, when's the last time you spent more than 10 seconds on a video? So to get someone's attention right now, especially what more than 50 years after this book is still an incredibly, incredibly um, insightful thing you need to learn. So with my thoughts on that, when you first meet people, it's often a misconception to want to talk about things you want to talk about. Everyone is born, especially as a kid with like main character syndrome, where they believe when I, yeah, main character energy, and it's very popularized, but what are you really achieving with that? The only thing that I'm really thinking of in my head that you can achieve with main character energy or syndrome or whatever's popularized right now is you want to find some sort of way to validate yourself through others, right? So that's why in certain conversations, it gets political, it gets controversial, or girls go on dates and some dude's talking about NFTs or Bitcoin or crypto. No fucking girl wants to talk about crypto, (laughs) but for some reason, there's certain dudes that really want to take the conversation there because they want to validate their knowledge. They want to validate things that they've been talking about. And really, really the key to success is to untrain yourself from that mentality. Get yourself to answer questions when they're asked to you and really intrinsically ask someone about how they are, what they're interested in and have them really, really um, tell themselves to you because and, and this is not only works um, in a date or in networking or just meeting the right people at the right time because people want to feel important. People want to feel like they're the main character. People want to feel like the stories that they went through has some sort of importance. And when you talk about yourself all the time, it really takes away from what you can actually learn from someone else. And that's my take on it. If you have any questions or follow-ups, Harrison, Harrison already dropping some gems already. We're just getting started, but no, yeah, I definitely love everything that you said. I think definitely a lot of people, a lot of the times they really like to talk, you know, about themselves and impose their beliefs and everything, but we need to really take a step back, even when we do it ourselves to really allow that person to tell their story, to really figure out, you know, who they are as a person. I think that really goes with that principle. Like, they should be doing most of the talking, not you. You should be the one that's really being an active listener to really what they have to say. And yeah, I totally agree. Whether it be relationships, business, anything, if you apply that principle to really let that other person speak for themselves and really generally you really want to get to know them. I think that's the key thing. If you have that genuine interest in them, because if you don't, then obviously they could, a person could tell when you're like, you're half-assing or faking a conversation, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great points. Um, so another thing that the book really talks about and harps in was how can you make a person do what you would want them to do? Like, how would you motivate them? How do you find that interest, that spark? I want to ask you, how do you make a person 
do what you want them to do? What are some things that you usually try to apply there? Well, I've already read the book, so yeah, yeah. Some some things I say might be uh, a little bit redundant, but no, that's um, okay. It's fine. Well, when you when you want someone to do what you want to do, you never tell them that they're lacking in some way, right? For example, if you wanted your kid to take out the trash and they were supposed to, you don't you don't give them a lot of crap for not taking out the trash. Maybe you would say something more so like, "Hey." you're a really disciplined person and it's, you know, kind of unlike you to really, um, not take out the trash today. And, um, you know, uh, it'd make my day if you did that something along those lines. And it goes from some simple chores to the corporate world, to the business world. Um, you never want to make someone feel like they're lacking. And the biggest thing is you never want to feel or make someone feel like they don't have a choice. So, whether or not it's in a question form or whether or not it's in another type of delivery, you want to make people feel like they have a choice in things because we don't have many choices in our lives and we want to be given the choice choices to do stuff. So that's mainly how I would get someone to do the, something I would want to do. And above all, just be nice, appreciative and genuinely grateful of someone's time that for, for them to take, uh, take away from their lives to do what you want to do. But yeah, definitely give someone the choice. So they have their, so they feel as if they have their own free will to make that decision. Okay. So what I'm interpreting from what you're saying is if you want to get some, someone to do something that you'd like them to do, uh, you wouldn't directly like criticize it or like scold them right away. You would kind of indirectly, in which in your case, you know, the trash, you actually gave them praise. You said like, oh, this is unlike you as a person that's like really disciplined. And it kind of puts it on them, like you said, to give them that freedom of choice. You know, you're not saying, oh, you have to take out the trash today. You kind of leave it up to their interpretation. But now you, they have that expectation of being disciplined to hold themselves to that standard. So definitely the book talks about just exactly that perfect example. So I don't even think we need to really talk about what the book talk about was you gave a perfect example right there. Another thing the book talks about that I want to talk about is a simple way to make a lasting impression is just smiling. So I, I want to talk about that. Like I, the book even talks about even just smiling over the phone, even though someone might not directly see that smile still makes a huge impact the way that conversation goes. So there's another talking point here. How do you feel like smiling effects just when you're communicating, interacting with someone when you first enter the room at, at a door at a party or something, what do you think that really brings to the table there? Well, a lot actually. And I, if I remember correctly, there's a study done on smiling. And even if you fake a smile, you're around 20% or so happier because you faked it. I think it, it sets the precedent in terms of like yourself, your energy, your facial expressions. And as humans, we might not consciously realize what's going on, but subconsciously we pick up a lot about, um, those subtle things such as like a smile or an uplift in voice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think to the book's point, it's more so you're, you're manifesting a situation to be something worth smiling for. And yeah. And, and, uh, definitely as a result of that, people will reciprocate in that fashion. And 
I would like to say that smiling works wonders in a negative situation too. It depends where you are and where you live. But if you live in a city, you're walking down the street, someone looks like they might fuck you up. You literally just got to smile at them. Like, you know, like, hey, uh, like, I hope you're having a good day or hey, I acknowledge you. 80% of the time, they probably won't fuck you up anymore. But like, it, it works in negative situations too. Like if you accidentally bump into another person at the gym or something, and you just like smile at them, you know, like, oh, hey, it's like my fault type of thing. It, it works both in a positive and negative situation because it really lets people's guards down. And that's my take. No, that point actually reminds me of something the book also talks about is with acknowledging a person because everyone at the end of the day wants to feel acknowledged. Everyone wants to feel important. Like you said, we live in an era today where we get that instant gratification, you know, social media and stuff. We see all the likes and stuff. So people really want that. And I think to your point, the book even states that there's a one time where a potential shooter entered the building where he, he had his mindset like, oh, he's going to shoot up the place. And all it took was one person was just to really acknowledge him, be really nice to him. Like you said, with a smile, greeting him, asking about how his day was. And that literally changed his whole outlook of how that day was going to go out for him. Instead of shooting that whole entire place up, he actually told the person that like he was actually going through some stuff and was thinking about like doing all this stuff. And he was actually able to find help for themselves. So I think that's a huge thing with smiling. I think it really brings, like I said, a lot to the table there. Another thing the book talks about that I wanted to bring up was remembering names. I didn't think about how important this was until I actually read the book. And I really think about it because your name is the only thing you have really as your identity that sticks with you for the rest of your life. How do you, I guess, since you are like in the business tech world, how are names important so much in, in that aspect for you? Well, I'll tell you this, um, especially nowadays, when you remember someone's name and there's someone, um, you know, you want to get to know or really important that really sticks out to someone, especially when you first meet someone and within a few sentences, you're, you're like, Hey, Hey Linda. Um, I, I really appreciate how you did that. It really, really makes someone, it really brightens them and makes them feel like, wow, this person actually heard what I said. Um, the main thing about remembering people's names and um, tastefully implementing it in your conversations with them is that it makes people feel acknowledged and it makes them feel like you're actively listening and acknowledging um, their like existence or presence or whatever. For me, just literally uh, putting someone's name in my sentences here and there will get a lot different reaction from them than if you were to do it more passively and not really put their names in your sentences. Um, that's my experience. Uh, what's your take? Yeah. Like I said, it's something that I've just learned about when I'm reading this book and I've made it a more active habit for myself to remember people's names, um, no matter what setting I'm going into, even if I don't think I might meet that person again, I really try to remember it. And easy things that I do is just put like, their names on my phone, like on the notes app, or I try to find something like a connected to the name, like some story or some conversation we're talking about. I try to connect that with their name. So I remember that in the future. Um, but no, I definitely agree with everything that you said. I think you really acknowledge them as a person when you do remember their name and they feel that sense of importance again. I think it just goes back to really acknowledging them and 
Yeah, a name is the biggest identifier someone has. So definitely go out there, try to remember everybody's name that you meet, and I'm pretty sure you'll make a lasting um, impression on them. Um, could, could I give a tip? Yeah, yeah, go for so it. So it's, uh, for me, um, when I actually forget someone's name, which is really common because Oh, yeah, it happens someone, all the time. Yeah. yeah. You, you literally, um, you can just ask like, hey, is there like a nickname that you would like to go by? Or um, how, how do you pronounce your name? Or like, what's the right way to pronounce your name? And it's literally breaking the ice. You don't, you're not obligated to like prove to them that you know their name. You're actually coming to them like, hey, I, I want to kind of know like how you pronounce your name or the way you say your name or a nickname that is more like, you know, personal to you. And that always does the trick. Yeah. I like that a lot because... Usually a lot of the time when people forget someone's name, they'll try to like guess it and that could actually like even do more harm than good, even though you're trying to like really figure out what their name was. But yeah, I like that take, asking them what their nickname is or how do you pronounce it if you forgot or don't remember. Yeah, that's a good one. So definitely going to keep that in the back of my mind for myself as well. So another talking point I wanted to like to talk about in the book was uh, how to make people like you instantly. And I feel like it's really hard because a lot of the times, usually, you know, when your conversations go, when you first meet someone, they kind of put up that barrier, you know, for themselves before they actually let you in their lives and who they really are. But I guess for you, what are ways that you kind of put down those barriers for people? Is it like finding interest in them first or like what do you think really works for you to like get them to open it up more, I guess, when you're talking to someone? So my take on this is, if you stress too much on making someone like you, you're going to overthink it. I think the first step is to like them. Mm. Um, it goes, it goes back to the second, second, uh, lesson that you were talking about is actually wanting to get to know them. Yeah. Being genuinely interested in them. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not that hard to make friends. It's not that hard to get someone to like you. You ask them, how's your day? You ask them what they like to do in their free time, like hobbies and everything. And as you ask them these questions that are pretty open, you're going to find something of mutual interest, whether or not you like the same, same song or same band or went to the same place. You're going to be able to connect with someone in some way, even if they're 60 years older than you. And if you can't actually connect with someone, you ask them questions about their perspective and why did they approach something like a certain way, actually making it them like, you know, one, again, feel acknowledged and two, um, share vulnerable thoughts with you. I, I think, um, the book actually says this, if I remember correctly, but past all the things I just said, one of the main ways to make someone actually like you is to be vulnerable with them. Now, that comes with a lot of practice because you don't want to be oversharing something at the wrong time of a conversation. But if you can tastefully do that, you can turn someone from acquaintance to eventually a, a long time close friend or friend. And that's, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with everything that you said. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me there was being vulnerable with someone because I feel like a lot, especially in, um, today's society as a man, I feel like, uh, it's just barely being accepted for men to be more vulnerable with whether it be their emotions, whether it be 
uh, just with the talking points with themselves. Um, but yeah, I think allowing that opportunity and that safe space for someone to be vulnerable with you allows that connection to be more genuine and you get to really know the person uh, for who they truly are. And I think that goes without saying that uh, you can really make an impact on them. Like you said, like as a lifelong friend, just within that short conversation. But yeah, definitely good points there. Another thing the book really talks about is you can't win an argument. And pretty much what he was like saying there is like, you want to avoid arguments like at all times, because usually it just ends with just this bickering back and forth. The conversation really doesn't go anywhere. And it's like a lose-lose situation, you know, no one really wins. And I think a good approach to that is if you guys are definitely like emotionally charged and heated, heated, revisit that conversation at another time and really, uh, figure out the wants and needs from parties to really figure out what's going on. But in terms of you for arguments, I know like you're in a relationship or even with just like your friends, uh, how do you handle those type of situations when like things get really heated and stuff? Now with this question, um, I agree with you. So, uh, taking a step back is a safe choice to make in the, these situations, but um, it really varies and it depends on the person. Um, whether or not confrontational or shy or depends how someone took the topic too. I think when you're trying to win an argument, you have to ask yourself why you're trying to win and what you're trying to get out of it. If, if winning an argument is something as arbitrary as like validating that you're right, I think it's not worth it. Right. But if winning an argument means that you're setting a boundary and someone's respecting it, then yeah, you need to, um, that's an argument you need to win. That's an argument that's worth it because especially as a man, you're going to go through life and people are going to test your boundaries and there's going to come times of conflict that you're going to need to, um, impose your boundaries, your space and yourself as a, as a man. But if you're trying to win an argument for the sake of validation, I would just say, forget it. People are born with their beliefs. People are born and they do the, the things they do every day. It's hard to untrain their mentality. You're not going to tell, you're not going to tell someone that thinks Taylor Swift's the best artist that, you know, Drake is, and you're not going to say vice versa. People have their own beliefs. There's um, really no point in making them change their beliefs, but there's certain things which you should win an argument for. And for me, definitely is um, when someone crosses a boundary as a man and when someone did something that in order for you to continue your relationship, friendship or acquaintanceship with them, you would need to get this out of like, you need to hash this out. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely like how you said that sometimes arguments are actually are needed. And especially when boundaries are cost and really, you really need to set the tone and to really let kind of lay down the law. Like this is it or like nothing, like don't really come at me with that way. So not all arguments are bad in that sense. Which I, I like that point that you, you brought up and um, the book also talks about different ways to prevent an argument too, which he talks about distrusting your first in- instinct. And I really think that's just like with emotional, like being emotionally driven right away when you want to kind of like bark back at someone. So kind of restrain that and control yourself in that manner. So just controlling your temper. Um, I think 
biggest thing too is just listening first because at the end of the day, when there's an argument, the person just wants to be listened to. Um, I learned this a lot. In my experience working retail, um, a lot of times people just want to vent at the end of the day. Like they probably don't even want something to be changed or anything. They just want to vent. And once they feel heard, they'll kind of accept it and move along. And then um, also looking for areas of agreement where you could agree on. Cause I think a lot of times with arguments is just like, it's either my way or the highway, but you really have to have that open mind to kind of see where that person is coming from. And maybe you can meet somewhere in the middle um, and just being honest to not trying to lie to the person. Cause that, that shit will get you in trouble. But yeah. I think those are the main principles there for how to handle an argument, but something nonetheless that you should definitely incorporate into your everyday life. So one of the quotes in the book was by Martha Luther King, and he states that, I judge people by their own principles, not my own, which I think is really big because I think it kind of alluded to what you were saying earlier. Everyone grows up in a certain way with certain beliefs, with certain constructs, um, whether it be due to religion, they're raised by their parents, um, how they grew up like in school, the area they're in people are always going to have different viewpoints than you and stuff and i think in today's world it's very how do i say it like two different spectrums right it's like red versus blue all lives matter versus lives matter um right now too with the roe versus wade overturning uh there's just like a lot of controversy and i feel like two total total opposites how do you think we could narrow that division that we see today in our world, uh, like what uh, Martha Luther King alluded to as well in his quote. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's very polarizing beliefs and especially in 2022 because, um, because of technology, I think, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, yeah, you're algorithmically programmed to take things to the extreme and, whatever you click on that's suggestive that you'll believe more liberally or conservatively, that's the, that's the videos and that's the content that those platforms will push to you. And before you know it, you're on one extreme end of um, this whole, this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think the first step in that is I think companies need to be a bit more responsible with that platform in general, when or where, I don't know, but, um, definitely is this needs to be, needs to be, um, thought of and having action taken for that because there's too many, too many cults, too many hate groups, too many bad groups in the world that happen because of, um, these algorithms and these platforms. But generally speaking, how to actually, um, narrow the, narrow the gap or, you know, bridge the gap between, um, two polarizing beliefs. I think you need to first listen to someone because if you can't provide that, you'll listen to someone, they won't listen to you. Let them finish their sentences. Let them speak their thoughts. Let them tell their personal experiences. And really when, when they're explaining something, don't judge them as a person or express that you're judging them as a person because of what they're telling you. Cause it actually might be a vulnerable thing Two, I think with everything, control your emotions. As I said before, in the previous point, what's the point of winning an argument? What's the point of telling someone your political beliefs? Are you going to change them overnight? I think 
if you're a respect, respectable or respectful person and you have a respectful argument, both people giving their sides, both people wanting to learn, both people not calling each other names, this or that, because they have this sort of belief. I think that will get you a lot further than storming off or generalizing them or calling them this or that, going off Facebook and ranting about them. I think we just need to learn from each other and ask each other why. Why did you grow up with those beliefs? Why am I like this? Is there something, even like 1%, is there something really, really small that I can take away from what you believe? And vice versa, can, is there something you could take away from what I believe? I, I have a lot of friends, we, we believe in very different things, but the world's not black and white. Uh, we can learn something from everything. And I think with that mentality, you'll learn a lot more and become friends with a lot of people more different than you, which will, will help you evolve in this world. But those are my two answers and two, um, two different sides of the question that you're asking. No, those are definitely solid. But yeah, what I got from what you were saying there is much, everyone pretty much has their own beliefs and stories. And I think you really need to ask those questions to figure out why and not necessarily be so judgmental, you know, avoid, avoiding those biases when you, go into those type of conversations. And I think the biggest thing you said is really diversifying uh, your network and your group to have those different beliefs. Cause like you said, yeah, the world is not just white people come from different backgrounds. You're going to have different political beliefs than you and stuff like that. And I too try to surround myself with different groups as well. Just, just like you said, we'd all learn something from each other. And I feel like at the end of the day, if we kind of foster that learning from each other that we could create real change in the world and really tackle those big issues that we see today. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your time here cause we're kind of meeting the end of our cap here, I guess, before we close out, is there anything else that you wanted to share from the book that maybe we missed or you wanted to just talk about anything from your own personal experiences too, that you think people would benefit from hearing today? Yeah. So, um, with this book, I think when people, especially when they read the title, they think it's a book about manipulation, but it's not, it's, um, it's, it's a book about, let's say there's person A and person B both actually mean the same thing, but they say it either in different order slash sequence, or they say it in a different type of way. Person A gets fired first person B gets a promotion. This book teaches you how to be person B who gets a promotion. And I think it's incredibly valuable for any person, especially, um, you know, the younger, the better. It's a very timeless book about how you can really be more strategic with dealing with human interaction. And that alone, regardless of your career, will get you very far. And there's a lot of lessons in this that I've implemented in my professional and, um, my personal life. And it actually does work. Um, these are really timeless lessons and I think everyone should definitely read this book on another note. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. I know anything other than 10 seconds on TikTok is, uh, really, really hard to put your attention towards, but I hope this is entertaining and I appreciate your time. Um, appreciate your attention and, uh, hopefully you'll be able to read this book, um, share some thoughts with either me or Chris and, uh, really, really appreciate you tuning in. All right. Awesome. Well, I don't think there's any better way to summarize the book there for Harrison. 
But definitely pick up a copy of this book. Like I said, it's something that you could apply to every situation in your life when it comes to just human interaction, getting that promotion. But before I go, I just wanted to go ahead and ask Harrison, uh, how can we and my listeners be of service to you since you provided so much knowledge? Is there any social medias you want to drop for them? Any, any problems you'd like to check out? Now is a perfect opportunity. Yeah, um, you can check out my Spotify slash Apple Music slash whatever. Um, the stage name is Harry Sins on there. Um, you can check out my Instagram, instagram.com slash universe, like universe with the CH in it. And um, yeah, you can find me anywhere. Just uh, if you want to talk about anything, just send me a DM and I'll be sure to reply. But uh, yeah, thank you. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So that would wrap it up. Definitely go check out Harrison and his music and what he's doing out there. He's really doing good work. I mean, just the knowledge he shared today. Just imagine how what his music is like and everything that he could provide in that sense as well. But we'll go ahead and sign off here. Uh, this is your host, Chris, with Off the Bookshelf. Thank you, guys. Thank you.